Welcome to Season 2 of IVF Tales. I'm your host, Simone. This podcast was created with the intention of making the world of infertility a little less lonely. Each episode will have a new guest share their IVF journey, sharing some of the most courageous, surprising, intimate and saddest moments of their lives. It's real and raw, it's IVF Tales. This episode is going to be a little more lighthearted with laugh out loud moments guaranteed. So if you need a little pick me up, this one is for you. If someone is going to write a hilarious and intense memoir with the title, the good news is you don't have endometriosis, I need to hear more. So in today's episode, I chat with Jade about her IVF journey and new book. Hey everybody, my name is Jade. I am the author of the book, The Good News Is You Don't Have Endometriosis. I'm excited to be here with Simone today to talk to you a little bit about my IVF journey. So let's get started, Simone. Um, It all goes back to December of 2019, um, and really even before that. I was going through some tests because, you know, as a woman, you typically think, well, if we're not having success with conceiving, there's got to be something wrong with me. So um, I had gone through the HSG tests where they inject the dye into your tubes to see if there's any sort of blockage that comes back clean. Um, I, you know, I'd had ultrasounds and stuff and that everything was normal there. Um, And the next step was for my husband to go for a semen analysis. So he went and uh, that's where our initial problem was. Um, his semen analysis came back abnormal. He had low sperm count, low motility. The, the uh, morphology was off. And um, my OBGYN called and she said, you guys need to see a reproductive endocrinologist. You, you probably need IVF if you want to conceive successfully. So, of course, you know, I think like many couples, um, I would say that uh, denial was was my first reaction. I was like, oh, absolutely not. There's no way that we need IVF. We, we No, not us. Definitely not us. Um, I didn't think that infertility happened to, to couples like us. I, I didn't actually know who infertility happened to, let's be real, um, but definitely not us. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was the initial... That's where it started, and it took me a while to really get on board with it. And and my husband was the one who you know reined it in and said, "We're going to make an appointment. We're going to go talk to somebody about this because we need to figure out what's going on." So that's where it started. So in December of uh, 2019, we went to see a reproductive endocrinologist, and um, our first night there. The, uh, the reproductive endocrinologist happened to look over our paperwork that came from the OBGYN. He looked at my husband's semen analysis, and he said in no uncertain terms, IVF is, is going to be what you have to do if you want to conceive a child. And, um, you know, just the, 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 the letters IV and F just sent, you know, chills down my spine. And then they go into what you need to do in order to have an IVF cycle. And they're talking about all these needles, which at the time, scared the holy hell out of me. Um, Blood work and coming to the clinic every single morning. And it it was just so, so overwhelming. 
And, um, you know, me being me, I have to make everything, you know, I try to find the humor and everything. And I was like, can we just get a carrier? Can we just get somebody to, you know, carry the baby for us so we could just be done with this? And, you know, maybe we'll have boy girl twins and, um, you know, we'll have the perfect family. And the guy, you know, the, the doctor said back, he goes, well, then maybe you shouldn't be a parent. <laughs> I was like, time out. <laughs> time out. Oh. In my mind, I was, I was like, maybe you should go F yourself. How about that? Um, it's, it it was wild. So all of this is happening. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by this whole process that's being explained to me. Now he told me that I shouldn't be a parent. Next up, he wants to give me an ultrasound. At this point, I, you know, I had just come from the gym. I stink. I, I don't even know what's going on. So, so now, you know, we went from, you shouldn't be a parent to now I'm taking my pants off and now we're doing an ultrasound and he's so going internal in there, ultrasound up up there. <laughs> yeah, with the wand. Now yeah. I'm getting wanded. Yeah. I'm just like the whole, everything that's happening right now. Like I couldn't, I couldn't process it all. It was insane. Yeah. So, you know, I'm also, you know, I'm also somewhat embarrassed because I, I just came from the gym. So I, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I stink. Oh my god, I stink. But then at the same time, I was like, wait a minute, this guy just told me I shouldn't be a parent. So I don't care if I stink. So I hope I smell even worse. You know, I'm like. Oh, geez. It, yeah. Just getting back. I can remember that day perfectly or that night perfectly. And um, I happened to be on day three of my cycle. So that's why he wanted to do the ultrasound. And he goes in there and he said, you know, you have a good follicle count. Everything looks good. Next up, we're going to take seven vials of blood. Then I'm like, Wait, seven vials of blood. What? What? So it, it was a whirlwind. So I'm freaking out about the blood draw because you know, initially I couldn't do blood draws and, and little did I know how many more blood draws I would be doing, um, between now and the end of this. So, uh, that was our first night at the clinic. So, I mean, it needless to say, it was not, not a successful <laughs> night at the clinic, but, uh, all the blood work came back normal. So, um, at that point it, it seemed as though my husband was the, the issue mm -hmm. moving forward. Yep. So what we did from there was, um, what I did was that was really helpful was to take the initiative to go into therapy. Um, I found a therapist that was not based in my area, but I found a therapist who had actually experienced infertility herself. So I figured this would be the, the perfect person for me because people, as you know, um, if people have not gone through infertility, they just don't get it. And it doesn't matter how many, you know, clinical degrees they have and how long they've been a practicing, um, you know, psychiatrist, psychologist, whoever you see, they just don't get it. So I figured this person understands. So that was something that I did to be proactive because I, I just didn't want to feel like garbage. Like every day you feel beat up, you feel guilty, you feel anxious, and it takes a toll on every part of your life. It takes a toll on, on you as a human. It takes a toll on your marriage. It just, it, it rots you from the inside out. So that was something that I did um, proactively. And I know because I, I'm a high school teacher, I know the importance of nipping a problem in the bud before it gets um, out of control. So that was something that, that I wanted to do um, was, was get into therapy and it was something that was extremely helpful. And, um, I hope Simone for all your listeners, for anybody who's, you know, maybe thinking maybe I should get a therapist, but they're afraid 
please go. Nobody needs to know that you're doing it. It's so helpful to you. It's so helpful to your, to your marriage. You just need that time where you can just sound off and just talk about whatever you want to talk about without judgment. And I totally agree. I actually didn't, I didn't see a psychologist, psychologist until, oh, I reckon over halfway through my, um, IVF treatment. And yeah, I wish I saw them so much sooner because they just give you so much clarity and it's like a weight lifted off your, off your shoulders. Hey, just being able to just sit there and vent and have, get some strategies as to how to deal with the emotional stress. So good on you for being proactive and jumping in and yeah, doing that before it all began. That's, that's great. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, it was really something that, you know, nobody wants to, to you know, make that jump and say, all right, I need to go talk to somebody. But the strength is in in saying, this is too big for me. And um, everybody likes to think that they're, they're, you know, everybody wants to be tough and say, oh, I got this. But the real strength is in saying, I don't got this. I need yeah. help. And um, and that's something that I was really glad that I did because I, I don't know where I would be today if, if I didn't do that. And, um, really at the time I was again in, in a deep denial about what we were going through and I was blaming my husband for it. And I was just like, well, it's your fault that we have to do IVF. And, you know, it, it's, it's something that I really regret out of the whole experience that that is my greatest regret. And it's one of my greatest regrets in life to, to this point that, um, that I was so harsh with him and that I was blaming him. It's your fault. If you had normal sperm, we wouldn't have to do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one that has to suffer for your problem. And I really made him feel like garbage. And, and, and it's something that I, I continue to regret to this day because that that's wrong. I mean, we know, we all know as, as infertility patients that it's nobody's fault. Nobody would choose this Mm -hmm. if they, um, if they had a choice. So, um, that's something that I, I deeply regret. So, um, our first cycle began in February of 2020, right before the proverbial, uh, shit hit the fan <laughs> with COVID. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, it was on the verge and, um, we thankfully got, got our cycle in because obviously as, as we know, um, the world was a very uncertain place at this time. And, and it, you know, it continues to be, but at, at that point we didn't know what was going to happen. It was a two week shutdown that turned into, yeah, here we are today in 2022, still talking about COVID. <laughs> um, so we were able to, to get our cycle in and to say that I behaved like a psychopath at the clinic is an understatement. <laughs> um, I was walking in there and, you know, everybody in the waiting room at that point, because pre-COVID, everybody sat in a waiting room and they called you in one by one or, you know, actually a couple people, three people at a time, they called you in for blood work or ultrasound, whatever you were getting. And um, I was just sitting there cursing my brains out and, you know, just like mother effing every, everything and everyone sitting there. So my husband thought that, you know, he was just embarrassed to know me. Um, people on Jerry Springer had, you know, nothing on, on the way I was acting. So, you know, I embarrassed him. I didn't embarrass myself though, because I needed though, all those curse words. I needed all of that to feel okay with, with what I was doing. So, um, you know, he was, he was embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember our first, our first appointment during the IVF cycle, when, once it started, I like took my pants off. I like flung them at him. I was like, this is your fault. 
And it was just, I was just a wreck and, you know, just, just a mess. I, I think that that was, that's probably the, the best way to sum it up. But over time I, I got used to it and, and it wasn't as bad. So, um, after becoming a human pin cushion, all, all my IVF ladies know this, you get your egg retrieval. Yay. Happy smile. And they retrieved six beautiful looking eggs. I was like, all right, we're done here. Fantastic. <laughs> Jade out. See you later. Um, we got them genetically tested. Um, we chose to do that because I was older, 35, going on 36, and we, we just didn't want to take any chances with possibly transferring something that may not take. So um, we got one genetically normal egg out of, out of the four that went to testing because two didn't make it mm-hmm. to day five. And um, I was like, still, I was like, this is great. We're done. Fantastic. I'm just going to choose when I want to have my transfer, get pregnant, be done, have a nice life. <laughs> so uh, as COVID progressed, um, you know, things became a lot more uncertain. A lot. I know a lot of clinics closed. The one that I went to didn't close, thankfully, to their credit. So I couldn't imagine what that would have been like to uh, to have your cycle canceled because they closed with COVID and who knows when they're going to open again. Um, but because I had the one normal embryo, my doctor, um, who I had actually switched doctors, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, right. So you did stick with the one that said, Hey, you shouldn't be a parent, but Hey, let me stick this probe up your vagina. You moved on from him. <laughs> I mean, shockingly, I didn't want to work with this guy. Yeah. And, um, I enough. did want to mention, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, yeah. Shocker. <laughs> I did want to mention the um, the importance of a nurse who worked with me at the clinic. Without her, I would not have been, uh, I wouldn't have made it through. And mm-hmm. um, I'd had previously a lot of just poor experiences in healthcare settings, just generally. Um, but this woman really, really wanted to help me. And, and she understood that this doctor was kind of a jackass. And um, she just said, you know, maybe you shouldn't, maybe this doctor isn't right for you. So this is another big takeaway, Simone, for your listeners. I mean, again, if you, I, I hope that nobody has an experience like I did where a doctor is actively telling you that you shouldn't be a parent. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable with your doctor or you don't like him or her, don't be afraid to change doctors. I mean, that's, that was another turning point when, um, when this nurse said, you know what, we have other doctors here. You might, you know, hit it off better with somebody else. And this is such like an intimate and intense journey. You really need to pair yourself with somebody that you feel comfortable with. So we did take, we did choose another doctor and that nurse just kind of stayed with me and, um, and helped me throughout the whole process. And, and to her, I will be forever grateful because without her, I wouldn't have been, um, where I'm at today. So. Totally agree. Shout out to those awesome IVF nurses. I can think of, there's a few faces I'm thinking of that definitely helped, uh, me through. Um, yeah, totally, totally agree with you there. Yeah, she was, she was so good with me. And, um, you know, she, when we get through the story, I'll, I'll talk more about her. She's, she's awesome. (laughs) And, um, so this, this, this IVF process was done with, uh, with the new doctor, not, I refer to him in my book as Dr. Douchebag because I mean, let's, let's be real. He was, he was a douchebag. He was probably more than that. So, (laughs) um, my doctor at that point, had recommended that I do the ERA test, the um, 
endometrial receptivity assay, which they can take um, a sample of your endometrial tissue to see if the embryo is is ready to implant on day six of progesterone injections. So mm-hmm. I did that. That comes back normal. Hey, we're good to go. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, we'll do a July transfer. I'll have an April 2021 baby. This is going to be perfect because I'm a teacher and I can just go out on maternity leave in the spring and see it in September and adios, amigos, uh, we are done. So, you know, of course, I'm thinking nothing's going to go wrong. So I go, we have the transfer and the day of the transfer is just an absolute train wreck. Um, I'm a nervous wreck. I'm, I'm like really intent on driving. I need to drive to the clinic. I have to drive there because I don't know at that point, like I was doing everything myself and I just felt like I needed to be in my car, in my space, drive my own way. I mean, I, I don't know what a uh, psychologist would call I, It's probably somewhat OCD, but at that point, you're just such a, a basket case that you just need to do things your way. And, and it wasn't going my way. And my husband was like, no, I'll drive and we'll take my car. And he didn't go the way we always go to the clinic. So that's sending me into like a tailspin and I'm losing it. And, um, I'm having to wait now because for everybody who's done a transfer, you have to drink a lot of water before. So you have a full bladder to make it easier for the, uh, the doctor to, um, to transfer your embryo. So I'm in the waiting room. I got two bottles of water because, you know, again, psychopath, and um, I'm having to wait. There was an emergency in the operating room with with some woman, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Am I going to pee my pants? So now that's adding to the anxiety of the day is now I'm going to pee my pants. So what do I do? Instead of going to the bathroom or asking somebody, I'm drinking more water because, oh. again, not. <laughs> so – Finally, when I get in there, I'm like, you know, you're down on the table and you're looking on the screen and there's so much going on. And because of COVID, my husband couldn't come into the operating room to see the transfer happen, which really bothered me because you figure once you get to this point, at least have somebody there, you know, have your husband there or have your partner there with you so they could witness this potentially life-changing event, but he's not there. He's got to wait in the car because COVID. So um, the doctor is, you know, it's taken her a while I'm freaking out. They're having to hold me down because I'm afraid I'm going to pee on the doctor. And, um, it, it, it's just a wreck. So finally, once they, they transferred the embryo, which couldn't have taken more than 10 minutes, but in that time when you have to go to the bathroom that badly, it, every minute feels like three days. So yep. I'm sprinting to the bathroom now. I'm like, and of course, once I get to the bathroom, there's somebody in the bathroom because why not? <laughs> oh God. So I'm screaming, what the F? Oh my God. Oh my God. So they redirect me to another bathroom. And mind you, I'm still, I'm running with, you know, the, the hospital gown wide open. My junk is just everywhere. And, um, <laughs> finally I get to go to the bathroom. So that was crazy. And then I go home and I proceed to be an absolute bitch to my husband. because I, I just don't know. I think that subconsciously I knew it wasn't going to work out. And, um, as the time progressed, cause you know, we're, we go into the 12 days of waiting and every day you're Googling more and more because again, nuts, you're like, Oh, I felt a twinge of pain. Is that implantation? Oh, I felt this. Is it happening? And, and that time is just, Oh my God, that time waiting to take your, uh, your pregnancy test is, is killer. 
So um, that day coming home, I was just awful to my husband. And that's another deep regret that I have is I'm like, well, what am I doing? Why am I putting this on him? This, this was wrong. And um, I can't explain it. I don't know. I, I felt horrible. And I think I just wanted him to feel horrible too. And and that sucks. Like that's a really crappy thing that I did. And, and that's something that I'm, I'm deeply regretful for. How and, did um, he you know, respond um, like with your hostility? Like what, what did he do or say um, back to you? Or like did he seek help or yeah, what was he doing? This is a good question, Simone. I'm glad that you brought this up. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that partners need to um, have their own counseling. And he did. He had his own therapist separate from mm-hmm. mine. And we did actually a couple sessions together, which I thought was helpful. Yeah. And he just kind of took it from me. And and for that, you know, I'll, I, I will forever be indebted to him for that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much I would have taken from me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm really sorry that I put him through that because it was, it was wrong. And, um, and he, he took it, he, he, he was a champ and he, you know, sometimes he would fire back with stuff, but you know, how do you not? And, uh, he, yeah, he took it from me. So it was, it was wrong and super regretful for that. And, you know, our, our two weeks elapsed, I go in to take my blood test and, you know, we're freaking out, of course, just like anybody would be to uh, to get that news, to get that phone call at the time. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of clinics are now using a portal, a patient portal, and they they report the blood test results there. And um, my favorite IVF nurse called me. She had, you could tell that she was about to cry. Her voice was trembling. She just said, Aww. Kate, I'm sorry, the test is negative. Aww. And um, she just said, you need to take time to process this. This is a loss. Yeah. And I just said, you know, very stoically, thank you. And and I hung up and um the time after that was was difficult to say the least. Um we yeah, just we weren't eating, time. we weren't sleeping. Yeah. 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 It was just it was terrible. And and to think that all that work, all that time, all that energy that went into this and to have nothing to show for it is is a tough pill to swallow. And um you know, for anybody who has gone through this, you understand the pain. Um, and it's just that feeling of being out of control and, and, and where do we go next? What mm-hmm. do we do? So you do what anybody does. You go on Google <laughs> and you figure out how could this happen? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I, I, I can't even, I couldn't even tell you how many hours I was on Google for just researching how this could have happened and in my 9 billion hours of research, I found that there's a test that you could do for endometriosis. And um, it was called Receptiva DX. So I know that some, some people are familiar with it, some people aren't. But if you're not familiar with it, uh, Receptiva DX, they will um, take a biopsy of your endometrium and they will see if there's inflammation there. So um, the test is not covered by insurance. But if you suspect that you might have endometriosis, you can have this biopsy done and they can um, pretty definitively determine if you have endometriosis. So, you know, based on what you tell the doctor, they didn't think that I had it. So I had known like over time, once I got into my 30s, my periods got very heavy. And, um, you know, I started leaking out of tampons, like, you know, the super absorbency ones. And I was thinking, I was like, this can't be normal. But again, we kind of, 
we don't know. I, I don't know what, you know, Simone, you experience or, or any other woman on, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know and you don't know what's normal and what isn't. So I suspected that I might have endometriosis, but, you know, I said to my doctor, hey, you know, do I have this? And and she's saying, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. But there is a test you can do. I was like, oh, really? Is it the one that I researched? And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I, I told her I wanted all the tests. Give me all of the things because mm-hmm. I didn't want to risk having a failed transfer because nobody wants that. Yeah. And out of the blue, she's, she's telling me about receptiva. I'm like, where was this three months ago when I was talking to you about how I wanted all the tests? <laughs> where was that? So she said, you know, you can do it. You can, you can take the test. I was like, all right, fine. But I want to do another egg retrieval. So we did an egg retrieval, which was unsuccessful. They, they took two unhealthy eggs from me. They didn't even fertilize. They were so bad. Oh, wow. And yeah, I did it right after I came off the failed transfer because I was like, got to get back in the saddle. We don't give up on things. And You um, always feel like you need to just be doing something, hey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to be running in place. And it just mm. it all goes back to that infertility pain of, of you feel like you're you're sinking in quicksand while you see all of your friends getting pregnant and having families and being happy and and I think that's a lot of the uh the mental anguish that that's that stems from this. Mm-hmm. For sure. So um yeah, I had another unsuccessful egg retrieval for for I was really mad about that. And um because my starting FSH with that, that egg retrieval was 22. So with an FSH level that high, you're not going to really have success. I mean, at least statistically, you're not going to have success. And we didn't. So why are you letting me proceed with this cycle when you know that there's a high likelihood that, it, that it's not going to be not going to go well? And I think at that point, because I was such a nut, I think the doctor was a little bit afraid of me and she was afraid to tell me no. But at that point, I mean, you're the you're the professional here. I'm not. Mm. And and you got to step in and say, listen, this isn't this isn't going to work for you right now. You got to wait. So in that time, um, we actually wanted to go see another doctor. We wanted to get a second opinion because it's like, what's going on here? What are we doing? Um, while we were in the process of finding another doctor, I was doing the receptiva test. So what you do with that is you have to go in, um, you know, like right after your cycle to see they want to catch ovulation when it's happening live like that day. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they know when to do the biopsy. So they did it. They did the biopsy. I paid the money, you know, Tess is getting sent out and we're going to see our, our second opinion doctor. So when we go in to this doctor's office, I'm sitting there in sunglasses because again, nuts in, inside with the sunglasses on. Cause it's like, you know, people know who, you know, people are going to know who I am. People are going to find me here. Nobody's going to find you there, but you know, <laughs> whatever you got to do to, to feel normal. Yeah. So, you know, the doctor comes out to greet us. I'm, I'm still in the sunglasses again, nuts. And, um, I, I, I thought in my mind going into it, I was like, I'm not getting an ultrasound. I'm so tired of getting wanded. I might actually hit somebody over the head with this thing. I'm, I'm so tired of this. And she, the first words out of her mouth are, let's give you an ultrasound. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, no, 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 no. She didn't just say that. I was like, girl, no, you didn't. <laughs> so I tell her, no, I don't want the ultrasound. Well, we have to give you an ultrasound. Well, no, I don't want an ultrasound. So again, you know, I agree to the ultrasound because I'm like, all right, well now then my time here is going to be wasted if she can't, you know, fairly assess what's going on with me. So 
we do the ultrasound. She's jabbing at my ovaries, which apparently are still enlarged from the, the retrieval cycle. And she's telling me I have a cyst. She's like, oh, well, you got a cyst. And, and she's jabbing at me. And it hurt. It really hurt. And I was like, I was like, ow, I was, lady, what are you doing to me? So I was really upset about that. And I was all frazzled. So after, you know, she's telling me about my cysts and about my ovaries, which are apparently not functioning properly because now I'm old. Now I have diminished ovarian reserve, apparently, per the last cycle. But six months ago, I was fine. Um, she's telling me, you know, you, you, well, there must be something wrong with your eggs then because you're older and, and uh, you, your last egg retrieve only yielded one normal egg. So it must be something with you too. And I was like, okay, fine. So when we leave that room, we leave the exam room to go have a conversation. I'm frazzled. I'm all over the place. I just got, you know, basically assaulted with this wand. So I'm like all upset. And instead of, you know, because they have the ultrasound gel and, and you got to clean up after your wanding, I grabbed the wrong wipe. I grabbed the Clorox wipe. Oh. <laughs> so I actually wiped myself with a Clorox wipe. So oh. I don't know if anybody else has done this, but it burns. And I, I bet. felt like my oh god! Was fire. I oh, thought there were god. actually flames coming out. <laughs> so I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my god! I just got assaulted with a wand. Now my vagina is on fire. What's going to happen next? <laughs> so we're not even done there. Like, so we go down to have the con- we sit in her office to have a conversation about the ultrasound and, and about our history. And, you know, again, she continues on with the, you know, my eggs are probably not great because at this point I'm 36 and anything after 35, look out, you're done. Hmm. So um, she's asking me about my periods and I'm explaining to her that, you know, they were kind of about four days in duration, but very heavy the first day and a half. You Mm -hmm. know that. Okay. She's like, okay, that's fine. And that's when she said it. She goes, well, the good news is you don't have endometriosis. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much, doc. So not even a week later. Receptiva comes back abnormal. So the odds are I do have endometriosis. Yeah. yeah. So just based off, she just asked like one or two questions about your period and you were like, oh, it's four days, the first day and a half. It's heavy, but that's about it. And then she just straight away just came to that diagnosis. Oh, you don't have endometriosis. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Even though she's talking news. about egg quality but wondering why your egg quality is probably not great. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and after that, you know, really at that moment, once I found out I, I did have probably some degree of endometriosis, I was like, yeah. that's it, the gloves are off. I, I'm questioning everything. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. really, it was at that point, that was the breaking point. I was like, that's it. If something doesn't feel right, it's not. And I'm going to question every little thing that they do from here on out because mm-hmm. you, you can't sit by passively. Like a lot of women that I spoke to at the clinic, you know, the ones who would talk to me because during COVID you had to stand in a line outside because they weren't letting people in. Yeah. So that was really my time to, to get into talking to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the ones who would who would speak to me because, again, everybody – a lot of women just stand there like, okay, this isn't really happening. We're not really at a clinic. I get it because I did it too. But I started talking to women and, and they would – talking to them about how they feel on the medications. They say, well, you know, I feel lousy. You know, this Lupron makes me crazy. Well, why don't you tell your doctor that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I, I just, I really want to have this baby. That's right. You, that's why you ask the question to the doctor because you really do want to have this baby. And you never know if, if that question that you have, that feeling that you're getting could be the difference between success and failure. Mm-hmm. 
So that that's really that was really a big turning point for me. So now I know that I have some sort of endometriosis, and um, we got to do our next cycle. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So we're gearing up for it. It's now November 2020. All right, let's go. I go in there. I have 17 follicles. Look at this girl. 17 follicles. Jade with the old ass eggs. 17. <laughs> was anything what changed? Up, like the um, protocol in changed? In that time, or? I started going to um, acupuncture. I don't know if that, that did or didn't help. Yeah. Oh, that was another thing that I did. Oh, my God. I almost forgot this. Mm-hmm. I went to an acupuncturist in my area. Mm-hmm. who was out of her mind. She was she was so <laughs> strange. Yeah. She's, you know, it's COVID. I'm I'm laying there on the cot waiting for her to come in. She comes in, she plops her butt down right next to my face. She goes, "Pull your mask down." I'm so and so. I go, "Hey, I'm Jade." She's like, "This is me. This is you." I was like, she's pulling her mask down. She pulled my mask down. I was like, "How's it going?" So, <laughs> he's talking to me. She's talking to me about my history and everything. And in that time, she's got a packet. It had to be maybe 15 pages thick. Hmm. And she is drawing a picture and she's telling me what I got to eat. And half of the things that she's telling me I need to eat to improve my egg quality, I haven't even heard of. So (laughs) she's telling me this and and you got to take this. You got to take dim and you got to take this and you got to take that. You got to take millet or, or I don't even know if that's a food or a drug. I couldn't even tell you. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh boy. Okay. So she draws a picture of me. So (laughs) she draws a picture of me and I'm not wearing a shirt, but my boobs are out and she's wearing, and I'm wearing a diaper because it looks (laughs) like I have this, you know, frilly thing around my waist and she's drawn my ovaries and she spelled the word broccoli wrong because apparently I need to, you know, eat broccoli, but broccoli in her mind only has one C. So I'm sitting there and that was really another epiphany. It's like, wow, I have really gone off the rails. I have lost, I have lost it. I'm sitting here. It's, it's nuts. There's weird music playing. There's a Himalayan salt lamp nearby and and no offense to anybody who likes those because I I like them too. But I just, in that moment, I'm just taken in my surroundings, like tapestries on the walls and crazy music playing. I'm like, wow, this is it. Like this, this is infertility. Like I, I, once it sets in, you will do anything, anything for success. And, um, and, and that was, that was another, that was another breaking point. And I have a copy of that picture that she drew is it's in the book. So mm-hmm. if anybody wants to check that out, I mean, it's, it's, it's unique. Yeah. That was, uh, could you say that again? Oh my God. That was, that was my watch. That was Siri. <laughs> um, Siri doesn't want to know about, about the crazy acupuncturist, but I did actually find a sane acupuncturist that I, that I enjoy going to who I still going to, who I still go to today. I'm actually going to see him today. Mm-hmm. I love acupuncture. It's really a great thing to um, improve your stress levels. And it's just, just a really nice thing to do. And, and it is if you're very doing therapeutic. IVF, I liked it too. Amazing. So I don't know if that did or didn't contribute to my success, but if nothing else, it made me feel good mm-hmm. at that time. So maybe that improved the egg count. Maybe it didn't, but that month I had 17 follicles. I'm like, oh, this is great. We're getting out of this. We're done. Awesome. So because a lot of the clinics here close for the holidays, they close for like two weeks between, you know, like mid-December and, and New Year's, mm-hmm. um, they wanted to get me in, you know, because this doctor is like, oh my God, that this woman is is out of her mind. I just want her off my caseload and she's going to yell at me again. Yeah. I mean, this doctor was, you know, for as good as she was with me, she was just not equipped to deal with somebody who functions at my level of... Mm-hmm. uh of intensity. So 
she wants to get me in. So we're going to do a different type of protocol. So she wanted me to take Lupron with birth control at the same time. I think she wanted it to overlap for a couple of days. I'm just kind of recalling this off the top of my head. And, and for whatever reason, it triggered ovulation in me on like day four. So because of the, you know, the different interactions with the the drugs going on and I'm not getting my period. And they kept saying like, you, once you get your period, you come in and then we'll start your cycle. So, you know, I think 10 days had passed and I hadn't gotten my period. So I called the office and I was like, look, I still haven't gotten a period yet. I, I think something's wrong. I, I think I need to come in. They're like, no, 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 just give it a couple days. No, 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 give it a couple days. I was like, no, 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 I'm coming in. I'm coming in tomorrow morning. Pencil me in, do what you need to do. I'm coming in. <laughs> so I came into the office the following morning and who's there? Dr. Douchebag. He's wearing jeans too, which kind of pissed me off. I was like, you're a doctor, don't wear jeans. <laughs> and no offense to anybody who likes jeans. But it, to me, it just it just bothered me. And the fact that he was wearing them really sent me over the edge. I was like, oh, big jeans day, huh, dude? So, uh, you know, of course, he doesn't like that. And um, he he had actually confirmed. He was like, yeah, you, you ovulate. You probably ovulated. So we're going to take your blood to uh, to confirm that. And if that's the case, then you can't do your cycle. So the blood work confirms pretty much that um, that I did ovulate. And we couldn't do the cycle as scheduled. So I was really, really upset, of course. You know, just like I had the good follicle count. I thought mm. that, you know, at least one of those had to be okay. And um, we were back to the drawing board. So, I mean, the mental anguish of that was just devastating. We were so upset. And um, once again, you know, my husband had found, he's like, all right, we're going to get, we're going to get another opinion. I was like, okay, great. So he called this doctor who's at, who's the only doctor at her own clinic. It was a smaller place. She answered the phone herself, which, which should have been a red flag to me. But at that time, I mean, when you're in that vortex of crazy, like you, it just, it doesn't matter. This person's going to help me. Okay, let's go. So, um, we get our third, second opinion after this. And this is after me freaking out at the doctor. I was like, how could you do this to us again? You could, you know, how could, and really in, in retrospect, she couldn't have known that I was going to react that way to the meds. And I get that. Mm. But you just you just want to take it out on somebody. And it's just like, you screwed us up again. I mean, we had the failed transfer. Now I have endometriosis that you didn't think I had. And, and now we're, you know, we have another failed cycle. Like, holy crap, how much worse can it get? So she she freaked out at, you know, she was freaking out. I think she actually cried, which I kind of feel bad about. But at the same time, it's like, I've been on Lupron now for like, two and a half weeks. So I don't care. My, I'm like fingernails on a chalkboard. I'll make anybody cry at this point. I didn't care. Um, but that, that was it. Now it's, it's back to the drawing board and we had to wait until after the new year to start our cycle. So it's just, Oh my God. It's just the biggest thing with infertility is that you just feel like it's, it's endless. It's infinite. It's never going to end. And, and that's how it felt. It just felt like you're in this vortex of, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. It's, you know, wanding blood work failure repeat yeah. what do we do what do we do and it's that constant uncertainty that, that yeah. just really the constant waiting the constant us. wondering what's next yeah oh, it's man. forever yeah it, it's it's so it's so hard so now we're going to the our third second opinion appointment okay so mm -hmm. we walk in <sighs> I, I mean, it, it's hard to just, here's how I would describe the office as mm. we're going to say it's, it's dated to say the least <laughs> it's bright. It's there's bright blue paint on the walls in some rooms. Other rooms are bright pink. 
it's a sensory overload. It's, it's really strange. Like if you've ever seen the max on saved by the bell, I, I know maybe I'm dating myself here, but for all my nineties kids out there, um, <laughs> it's like that back wall at the max with those tiny little, um, square window panes. That yeah. Was I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, and it smelled weird too. It had a weird funky, like musty smell. And in my mind, I'm like, who's having surgery here? <laughs> Not me. Oh, wow. So we go and we sit down with the doctor and she's got, you know, frizzy hair, which, you know, no, no offense, whatever. I don't judge, but it just, it added to her whole uh, aura of, of just not well. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was kind of like, those are the vibes that she's sending. So she's sitting down with us and we go into her office and I'm telling you, Simone, there are magazines and books stacked probably two to three feet in the air. I look to my right. There are dolls. They're dolls. Dolls? What do you mean dolls? Dolls. I, I, Simone, I don't know. I mean, there's dolls sitting on her bookshelves. There's, there's several of them. I want to say there's about six. So I don't know if she's demonstrating how people have sex. I, I don't know what she's doing with herself, but there are dolls. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, there's dolls. It smells. Why is it blue and pink? We need to get out of here. So then yeah. she's answering the phone, talking to other people while they're, they're calling for appointments. And she's taking notes on what they're telling her on top of the notes she's taken on our case. And I'm like, how is she even, how can she be organized? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it was, it was so strange. And then she's telling us that, you know, if, if you don't have good insurance, we can get drugs for you from Mexico. And I'm like, now we're importing drugs. Okay. Oh I was God. like, wow, this, this is like next level. I was like, what is she, Dr. El Chapo? Like this woman is not for us. So oh my God. needless to say, we walked out of that appointment and I was very confused. And um, I mean, it seemed like she was a very bright person. She's probably, she's probably had success with her patients if she's been there for a number of years. But yeah. I, I couldn't imagine having a surgery there or another interaction with that lady because that that was that was odd yeah <laughs> that was odd oh my God. it's another example of the lengths we go to to have success I mean yeah I'm sure some people do have her import drugs from Mexico if they can't afford them I mean this these cycles are incredibly expensive for people who can't afford them so yeah or for people who don't have good insurance it's it's hard okay January 2021 here we are that's it this is it we're gonna have success I can smell it <laughs> or I hope I can feel it. So now I'm on the protocol for people who don't respond well. So this is like Lupron for, you know, it feels like half a century. So I don't know anybody else who hates Lupron, but I hate it. Hated Lupron. So um, it really turned me into a psychopath, like very unpredictable behavior. I was moody. You're just, you're hot. You're, you're getting night sweats. It's, it's rough. So, so is this going back Lupron. to the, um, the previous doctor? Sorry. Yeah, yes. We're going back to, to the doctor that I had seen throughout. Um, okay, gotcha. And and this Yeah, I'm sorry. It's hard to follow because there's so there's so many things that we did. That's okay. Okay, so January 2021. Here we are. On the pr protocol for long responders or for bad mm -hmm. responders. Okay, fine. We're doing it. Okay. Get to the egg retrieval. This is late January. And um I'm feeling I'm feeling good about it. Going into it, we I thought they, they said nine follicles. So, you know, I go home and I'm freaking out. 
but really they had logged 18. So I don't know if it was nine follicles to start or 18. I kind of think it was nine mm-hmm. because every day the, the count was seven-ish. Mm-hmm. So I think they got the number wrong. I could be wrong on that. I'm not 100% sure, but that's how that's what I think happened. So they think it's nine or they think it's 18. I think it's nine. Okay, fine. Regardless of the number, we're, we're going through with it. We're having the retrieval. Yay, happy smile. So, um, you know, I had asked the doctor previously, once I got the endometriosis diagnosis, I said, I was like, I'm not doing Lupron for, for 40 days or 60 days. I'm not doing that. No, because again, that that's putting a bandaid on a problem that we could potentially fix. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have a laparoscopy. I wanted them to go in there while they have me open. Let's see if there's any other problems. So she's like, all right, well, I'll discuss it with my colleagues. Okay, fine discuss with your colleagues. She hadn't gotten back to me until that day. She said, you know, if we have success here today, we'll, we'll go through with the laparoscopy. I was like, great. That sounds good. Thank you for talking it over. Again, it's another time I had to speak up because if Mm -hmm. I didn't, I would be on the Lupron for 60 days. It made me feel so bad. It made me feel depressed and upset and everything else. It just, it wasn't going to be good for anybody. So thankfully for that, she was able to, to give me that. We do the egg retrieval. They get four eggs. I'm freaking out. She's upset. You know, I'm, I'm at the doctor. I'm like, I'm looking at her. I'm like, we got four. Really? That's it. Cause now I know, now I know that we don't, you know, once they go out for testing, the odds of us getting a normal are, you know, not great, especially someone at my, at my age at that point was the ripe old age of 36. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, I'm feeling, we're, we were feeling low after that. It was really, really a low point because we're thinking, we're like, Oh my God, how is this going to be successful? So all we could do at that point is keep the faith. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the doctor was like, well, if you were 40, it would be over for you. I was like, yeah, you're right. Because you know what, doc, when I am 40, it is going to be over for us. Because at that point, we're, we would have either, you know, decided to stop treatment and and live our lives without children or we'll adopt or or we'll have had success. I mean, those those are the three options. But this will, yes, 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 doc, it will be over by the time of 40. You're right. So, um, you know, that, that that didn't feel great either, but I'm sure she didn't love that I told her that the second cycle that we did should have never happened because it was a waste of time. We got two, you know, poor quality eggs. And, um, but it's something that she needed to hear. I mean, she needs to hear how, how we were feeling and, and, and that's it. I can't apologize for it. So all we can do now is, is hope and wait. Those are the, the two themes of IVF, right? We hope (laughs) and we wait. Yep. And, um, you know how it goes when, when, you know, the lab is, is cultivating the eggs or culturing the eggs. Um, they, you, you're hoping, you know, day one, did they make it day, day three, did they make it day five? Did they make it? So we had, I think three out of our four, four embryos made it to day five. No, wait, I'm lying. No, two out of our four embryos made it to, um, day five. We have one that, that didn't, um, that didn't advance. So we had two that went out for testing. So I'm like, all right, well, we got two chances for success. But still in my mind, I'm like, oh, boy, two chances for success. This is this is not great odds. Um, they were graded at at 5AA and 4AA, mm-hmm. respectively. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, hopefully they're good quality. A um, couple days later, the doctor calls. She's like, I have good news for you, Jade. We got a normal. I was, I was, I was over the moon. This was like our first win in yeah. a really, really long time. So we were ecstatic. We were so happy. And the next day I'm driving home from work and I'm like, man, I don't feel great. (laughs) 
And I go home and I'm on my Peloton because Peloton kind of saved me during this time. And I feel like my chest closing up. I'm like, oh, geez, what is going on with me? Oh, man. And I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, don't tell me. I was like, oh, don't even, don't even. I'm smelling things in my house. I got like the Frank's Red Hot open. I'm smelling bottles of whiskey. I can't smell anything. So you guessed it. Uh, I tested positive for COVID the next uh, day. Baga. <laughs> no. So now I have COVID. But you know what? That couldn't even, that didn't even, you know, it could not erase how happy I was. Like I, you know, COVID sucked. Yeah. But I was so happy we got that embryo. It didn't even matter. So uh, now it's February, 2021. I, uh, you know, we had our socially distanced Valentine's day shortly thereafter. (laughs) (laughs) My husband and I are sitting on opposite ends of the dining room table. I'm like, wow, this is really romantic. And, uh, (laughs) Eventually we, we had our success. So, um, it was, you know, I really felt like at this point, all right, you know what? COVID stinks, but we're moving forward now. We're making progress finally. So, um, the, the, the mood in our house had lightened. It just felt like a cloud was, the clouds had parted. The, uh, the sadness was lifted. And again, now, you know, we were feeling a lot more optimistic and, and we're getting, we're on the roller coaster. We're on, you know, we're, we're going up the hill instead of, uh, down the hill and, and, and feeling like we're going to crash. Mm-hmm. So, um, next up was the laparoscopy. So, so let's get it. Let's do a laparoscopy. So. Yeah. That was going to be I my next to- question. I was waiting for you to be, to, to say whether you had one or not. Um, okay. So before you did this next transfer, you had a laparoscopy. Yes, I had to. Okay. Otherwise, you know, the the transfer was going to fail again, most likely. Mm-hmm. So, um, and did you advocate for that? Did you really push for that, or was your doctor like, "No, I think we should have a laparoscopy"? The doctor wanted me to do sixty days of Lupron because apparently those are your options. You could do sixty days of Lupron to suppress the um, the, the the endometrial tissue that's no good, or you can. Or well, really that that's how they did treat it. That's that that was the recommended treatment was 60 days on Lupron. And I was like, I can't handle Lupron for six days. Mm-hmm. I can't do it for 60. So I, I would rather have the surgery because I think that, you know, I could recover from that much faster than than 60 days of hell on Lupron. Mm-hmm. So she she discussed it with her colleagues. She said, Yes, you can, you know, they said, Okay, you can you can have the laparoscopy if you can't tolerate the Lupron. And I was like, sounds good to me. So let's get it on the books. And, um, we were supposed to do it in March of 2020, but, um, or 2021, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't get my period in time. It was late because I was coming off the meds and we had to reschedule. So the clinic is now giving me a hard time about rescheduling. They're like, well, you know, we don't really reschedule patients. I was like, I really don't care. What is it to the surgeon if he does it today, tomorrow, or in two weeks? Mm. It, it's like a routine thing. So they're like, well, we'll do it for you. I was like, yeah, you are going to do it for me because, cause you know, cause you know, I'm coming for you. <laughs> If, uh, if I don't get it rescheduled. So we did it for about a month later. It was like middle of April, 2021. And, and, you know, I'm taking a leap of faith that my period is going to be done at that time. Because again, that's what we do in IVF. We wait for your period to start. We wait for it to finish. We, uh, wait for, wait for something. Mm -hmm. So thankfully it all worked out. I had the laparoscopy in, um, in mid April, 21, Mm-hmm. And it turned out stage two endometriosis. I had I had it on my fallopian tubes. I had it on um, my pouch of Douglas. Wow. Which um, apparently is a common place to find it. They said I had some weird cysts going on that got biopsied and they were normal, thankfully. But that was it. So, yeah, 
Wow. Good thing I didn't have endometriosis, right? Yeah. You definitely didn't have endometriosis. I know. How yeah, great wow. is that? Ooh. That's, yeah. <laughs> Good on you for advocating for yourself, though. Otherwise, it just would have been totally dismissed. That's, yeah, wow. And we Did would have find- continued to have failed transfers until, until we yeah. decided to stop yeah, so wow. really, I was anxious to see after this, how is my period going to be? Is it going to be lighter? Am I going to, am I going to stop bleeding out of these massive tampons? I mean, <laughs> um, and, and they were lighter. It was actually, you know, I noticed that it was kind of like, you know, my period was, um, a little bit longer, but I wasn't getting those like crazy heavy days where you're having to go to the bathroom every hour to, to go fix yourself up. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm increasing, my confidence is increasing now that we're going to have success on this next transfer. So, mm-hmm. um, I had to wait, I think, you know, just to heal up from the surgery and I was over the laparoscopy. I felt better in three days. I had the surgery yeah. on a Monday. I went back to work Thursday and yeah. they wanted me to do 60 days of hell on Lupron. And we don't even know if the Lupron's really going to suppress all of that. Mm. So there, there's no way of knowing. I really, I felt a lot better that the doctor went in, he could see if there was any other obstructions, if there's any other problems. And he said, everything else was clear. Um, and now we got rid of the endo. So not only you know, are we increasing our chances of success on the next transfer? I'm also increasing my quality of life because now I'm not having these like crazy heavy periods anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if something doesn't feel right, it it probably isn't. So, um, our next transfer was in July of 2021 Mm -hmm. and I'm feeling good. This time there was no emergency in the uh, operating room. And this time I smartly, um, started drinking water when I got to the clinic. Cause the last time I was one <laughs> bottle of water deep and, and yep. halfway through another. And the second time I was feeling good. I drove to the clinic. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that, you know, we kind of did it all my way. And, um, I wanted to write that wrong with my husband too. I, and they still wouldn't let him in the, the, um, the operating room because of COVID. Mm. Um, even though at that point, you know, I said, I was like, we will test he's vaccinated. Let's, can he please come in? I mean, and, and of course, Dr. Douchebag is the head of the clinic and he oh. said no. Hmm. So again, you know, he's cruelly excluded from this potentially life-changing process yeah, or event. So, but this time, you know, he waited for me in the car and I really wanted to make sure that, that as much as he couldn't be included in the process, I just wanted him to feel loved. I wanted him to feel included. I wanted him to feel happy this time. And I, I just wanted it to be different. And it was. So that's something that I really felt good about writing that wrong. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So um, that's something that really, really was important to me. So um, we were in a good place. I did my acupuncture before, like they say. I don't know if it really helps or it doesn't, but it helped me feel good. And, and that's really all you can ask for. The transfer was smooth as silk. I think she had that embryo implanted in like three minutes Mm-hmm. There was no, you know, tense moments where I'm screaming, I need to get to the effing bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, there wasn't any, there was no crazy. It was just, that was it. So my, uh, my IVF nurse guardian angel was with me because my husband couldn't be. And um, I just remember jumping into her arms and giving her a hug and, and just thanking her for everything. And all we could do from that point forward was just hope for the best. Yeah. So back to the waiting game, back to uh, that good old two we week wait. We love it. Uh, do you this do time, any- like, this time's going to be different. I'm not yeah. going to Google everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. That lasted for about, I don't know, 12 hours maybe? Yeah. 
Oh, I remember that so well. Each day you're like Googling, I felt this, I felt that. What does that yes. mean? And, oh, you go insane. Did you do any um, wives' tales? So like the um, the pineapple, the pomegranate juice, the warm socks. Did you do any of that crazy stuff? I did the warm socks. I didn't yep. do the, the eating the inside of the pineapple. I did that on the first one. Yeah. I eat pineapple anyway. I, I really like it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that because I was just kind of like at some point, you know, Jesus needs to take the wheel on this and it's either going to happen or it's not. But I did do yeah. the warm socks thing mm-hmm. um, in July, which was fun. Yeah. So, but you know what? Like I, I just felt differently about it. I went into it with a different mindset. I'm feeling good about it because we had the the um, laparoscopy. Now we had the uh, the ERA test. So we know that we're implanting at the right time. We know that the endometrius should be should be gone. Mm-hmm. And and that was it. Like a, Like the next day I started feeling a pulsing in um in in the pelvic region and i'm like is this is this implantation am i going nuts let me google it so <laughs> and i googled the am i nuts part too because why not so um yeah i mean i was i was reading that it could be something because everything could be something or it could be nothing but i was yeah. feeling confident i was feeling yeah. good about it. i kept feeling this pulsing like periodically and um i i was feeling good about it and and i felt more exhausted than I've ever felt in my life. And I thought it could have been because of the progesterone. Cause that makes you feel exhausted anyway, yeah. in and of itself. And, um, I was feeling good about it, but it didn't mean that I wasn't still petrified. I mean, when the day of that test came, I mean, the, we were just, we were climbing the walls because now we know what it's like to, to have a failed transfer and, and yeah. that, that feeling just never leaves you. Yeah. So you didn't so, test at home. You just waited for the day of bloods. I didn't. I did not test at home because I was like, if I Good get a girl. false positive or a false negative, I'm going to go nuts. Yeah. So I'm going to wait for the, the real deal and um, wait for the blood test. So yeah. we did it, got to the clinic, 7 a.m., out of there by like 7.03. <laughs> and and that was it. It was the waiting game. And I knew that it was, you know, they usually posted results around 11, 11.30. And that four hours felt like. Sorry, could you say that again? Oh, geez. My- Series, series killing, killing our interview here. Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That, that time. So my husband came home from work early essentially. So we could either, um, you know, drive to the nearest mental institution together or, you know, <laughs> celebrate the good news. Cause we yeah. know what it's like. I mean, once you have that failed transfer, it's like, oh my God, it's going to happen again. Oh my God. Yeah. So they changed from, they were no longer doing the phone calls. You, you then went onto this portal to, to get your results. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. That, that's what it was. And they oh. were going to call too. I mean, oh, okay. So it, yeah, it was, it was both. So I saw, you know, of course, of course they posted the results late. I think it was like 1245. They posted the results mm-hmm. and my HCG was 1235. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm like, you know, w- once you saw that the results were in, I'm like, do I want to click this? I want to click this, but I don't want to click this. Yeah. 1235. And I just remember like I collapsed onto our giant beanbag chair. Yeah. And, and we just, I, 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 I didn't know if I should laugh or cry. I think I was yeah. doing both. Oh, wow. And, and that was it. The Aww. test was positive. Yeah. So. And so did your, your lovely nurse call you soon after? She did. Yeah. Yes, she called me about 45 minutes later and she was like again she was she had 
um, you know, voice trembling, tears in her eyes, probably. Yeah. I never thought I'd say this to you, but you're pregnant. I'm like, I know. I was like, I know. I, I, I saw it 45 minutes ago. I was like, you're a little late to the party, Charlotte. And, um, it, it, it was the best feeling. It, uh, it's just yeah. feeling like there was a light at the end of the tunnel now Yeah, after yeah. so much. Just feeling like you hit a brick wall everywhere you turned. Yeah. So, um, we did have success. We, to go to that obstetric ultrasound mm. felt like, wow, I'm, I'm a normal functioning adult. I haven't felt like this in yeah. a really, really long time. <laughs> so how many weeks were we about seven weeks or so, or was it a bit later on? Your first ultrasound. It was um oh I want to say they did one four weeks. Oh no, I'm sorry, six weeks and eight weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then after that we went to the I call it the big girl doctor in the book. We went to the, <laughs> the regular OB Brian after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was the coolest thing to actually have a real appointment that wasn't the five minutes at, you know, six forty five. Yeah. So you're ronding your blood and, and, you know, just feeling like you're just a number on the assembly line. Yeah. You finally um, felt like you were onto that next step and yeah, things are a little bit different and exciting and still nervous and yeah, lots of nerves and anxiety, of course. of course, but it's like, you're like, yes, I made it. I'm onto the next step. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the greatest feeling after, you know, having so much failure, just feeling like, wow, we're actually going to come out of this. This is, this is crazy. Cause you feel like it's never going to end. And even yeah. at that point I had trouble believing it, yeah. you know, cause you just feel like when you've been through so much you just feel like, when's the other shoe going to drop? What's going to, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to blow it. this up? Of course. Yeah. And, and it, it was, it was the greatest feeling. And I really hope, you know, just for any, anybody who comes out of this with, with success, it's just, it's the greatest feeling. And you just feel so grateful because you know that this, this result is not guaranteed to anyone. And, um, yeah, I mean, just, oh man, it, it, it was the greatest feeling. Just you're on top of the world. And was all that shit worth it? That shit was worth it. <laughs> Yeah, my baby girl was born this past March. Oh wow! And, um, we're so happy to have her, and and we just feel so so grateful. And yeah. um, every day is great. And oh, that's beautiful! You know what? Congratulations! Yeah, I'm feeding. It feels good. Thank you so much. I mean, it's yeah. just oh man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was a tough road. But to come out on the other side is the greatest thing. And, and that's why we keep doing it. That's why we keep going to cycle after cycle. Mm-hmm. We want that success. We want that feeling. And, um, and that's the greatest thing. And I know that if I didn't speak up for myself, if I didn't question all of those things, I don't think we would have got there. Yeah, definitely. That's the biggest thing I say to people is you need to advocate for yourself and you need to ask questions and go into each appointment with things written down to discuss and if you don't like your doctor go and see someone else it's I I haven't done it personally but from what I know I it's not that hard to go and see someone else um if it's not not at all quite right yeah absolutely not I mean you got to think about it this way I mean for anybody who's listening who's you know like oh I have some questions for my doctor but I'm afraid to ask them think about this those doctors aren't the ones going home and crying at night. You are. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like as much as they may care about you, they're not thinking about it. You know, it's whether you have success or not makes no difference to them because they get paid either way. Mm-hmm. It's it's your life that's that's being up, you know, you're the one that that's in this vortex of crazy and it's worth it. It's worth it to speak up. It doesn't matter how crazy you think you sound because believe me, I had a lot of crazy moments mm-hmm. and um, it, they were all worth it. I mean, nobody thought I had endometriosis and you know, I would have, we could have, would have continued to think it was just my husband's issue. That was, that was holding us up, but it was really mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, endometriosis was the kick in the ass that I needed to get, to get it together and to, you know, stop placing the blame on other people and to really just get invested in this process and start just doing better, doing better for, for my husband, do better for me, do better for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's the biggest thing. And, and you got to take care of yourself too. It, it's, if it means, you know, shutting out friends who aren't supportive or friends who say the wrong thing, you, you got to do it. Friends, because inevitably your friends, family members, people are going to get pregnant while you're going through this. And it's going to suck when you hear those announcements and, yeah. and you're going to feel guilty and you're going to feel horrible about, you know, not really investing in their joy. But at the same time, like you really just need to do you and and take care of yourself because if you're not okay, nothing else is going to be okay. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's, it's just the craziest thing. But um, for everybody that's going through this, I mean, it's a wild, wild ride, and and never lose sight of that. It's this this is crazy stuff that that we're dealing with. The stress is extraordinary, and it takes a toll on every facet of your life. Oh yeah, financial, emotional, physical, mental. Like it's yeah. just it consumes you. I like when I did my, I think I did IVF for about 18 months and you lived and breathed it. Everything you did was around your cycles. And when you weren't doing a cycle and you were taking a break, you were still thinking about it in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Even if you were, you know, away for a weekend, having a few drinks and just enjoying yourself still in the back of your mind you were still like okay what am I doing next how soon can I get back in and do another cycle or another um surgery like it's just it absolutely consumes you and it's almost like an addiction yeah I mean it's like an addiction in that respect because it's like oh well this didn't work We're, we're gonna go again we're doing it again yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna try this now and yeah, that that's that's really that same mentality. It's yeah. it's awful. oh, it's just something you want so bad, and you'll go crazy to get there. Yeah, because the more they move the goalposts on you, it's like okay, this failed. We're gonna try this now. Okay, that's it. We're all in. And yeah, that that's that that's the crazy, and that's why you got to get yourself help. I mean, whether it's couples therapy, individual therapy, it's mm-hmm. it's so worth it. You just yeah. need it. Yeah, definitely. So how soon, like when did you decide, hey, I'm going to write a memoir? It started when I would talk to women at the clinic and, and, oh, oh, I forgot the craziest thing. After the laparoscopy, I had a very bizarre infection in my vagina. My, my labias turned blue. So I had a blue vagina at one point and it was really once I had a blue vagina following the laparoscopy and the day at the clinic that I had to go in to get checked out, I was like, I don't think this is normal. Cause I mean, during, I found it in the shower, you know, cleaning up and I'm looking, I'm like, what the heck is this? Oh my God. Yeah. That can't be good. So <laughs> once I had that, I was like, oh, it's on. 
I'm definitely going to write about this because somebody somewhere at least will get a chuckle out of it and say, you know what? At least I'm not as crazy as Jade because that was some <laughs> crazy stuff. I mean, I go in there and I'm like, so doctor, my, my vagina is blue. And he's like, yes, it is. And we, <laughs> he had a call in, like, there's all these people in there now. There's a second doctor in the room. There are nurses, there's fellows, there's interns. I thought oh, wow. like, you know, the Amazon delivery man was going to show up. I thought they were going to start selling tickets. I didn't care who was in there as long as somebody could tell me what was going on with this. So it was really at that point that I was like, oh, this would make a crazy book. And um, I think that uh, I think if nothing else, it could help people. If if you do decide to uh, pick it up, it um, if nothing else, you won't feel so alone and so like abnormal. Yeah, that was that. And then talking to the women, too, on, on the line in the morning that that, you know, the ones who would speak to me. I just knew how, you know, intimidated people were um, about speaking up for for what they need from the clinic. And I, I thought that if nothing else, this story could hopefully inspire people to to speak up for what you need and, and, and what you want. Because at the end of the day, you want success with that cycle. You don't want, you know, you don't want to keep hitting that brick wall over and over again because you were too afraid to ask a question. Yeah. So I have to know, why did you have a blue vagina? What was the 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 findings they didn't know but they, they wanted me know. to they weren't sure they just thought it was like some sort of you know post surgical inflammation i think it was some sort of um like yeast infection okay um so i i think it was that yeah they didn't know but the, the other doctor this is this is important to note he wanted me to put a warm compress on it throughout the day i'm like sir i'm a high school teacher <laughs> so you want me to put a warm compress in my vagina throughout the day? That's going to go over really, really well, I'm sure, with a lot of people. Oh, wow. So it just lasted it a few really days and then it it resolved. I want to say it was about 10 days that oh, it wow. was like that. Yeah, yeah wow. I've, I've never was, heard of that. But anyway, well. there you go. Neither had I. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was a strange thing. But you know what? They uh, – it went away on its own. I mean, the doctor, you know, when, cause it, the doctor that did the surgery was not the doctor that I was seeing at that clinic. It was a different one who was a really, really good guy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my doctor had actually called me the, uh, the, the doctor I worked with and she was like, it's going to go away. I don't know what it is. If it's still there in like a week and a half, we'll take a look at it. Yeah. But it eventually did resolve. It was, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Wow. And just going back to, sorry, what did you call, so the biopsy that potentially can test for endometriosis, what did you call that? It is called Receptiva DX. Okay. So I just wanted to say, so for our listeners in Australia, I am not sure if we do that here um, because anyone who, as far as I know, Anyone who has symptoms or is likely to have endometriosis, I'm pretty sure the only way they diagnose it in Australia is to go and have a laparoscopy. So I just wanted to, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, because when you were talking about that, I'm thinking, have I heard of that? Um yeah, it's that was it was yeah, brand new information for me. So I just wanted to mention that in case um Australian listeners are thinking, what is Jade 
talking about because yeah it must just be something um that they do regularly over um over on the other side of the world <laughs> yeah that's so crazy i can't believe yeah. we're chatting on the other side of the world it makes me so excited i know um she yeah i mean the, the company is based out of california and it's obviously mm-hmm. much less invasive than a laparoscopy it's it's a yeah. very simple thing and um they can test for i think three different proteins i, I know two out of my three came back um, abnormal. It, it, they test for the gene BCL six. That if you have it, um, if it's over, if it's over a certain number, then it, then it's likely that you have endometriosis, and that's mm-hmm. way better than having a whole laparoscopy potentially for no reason. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to do I'm a bit of research. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to do a bit of research. Um, and yeah, see what I can find. I just had never heard of it unless it's called something else over here. I don't know. I'll have to have a little help, little look-see. So if anyone wants to buy your book, where can they go? Check it out on Amazon. Um, it's available free on Kindle Unlimited. I believe right now it's 99 cents to download it on, um, on Kindle mm-hmm. and it's $7.99 in paperback. So definitely check it out if you want to read more about my, uh, my crazy experience in IVF. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we say goodbye? I think that's about it, Simone. Uh, Really, the big takeaway here is just to please, for everybody who's going through IVF, IUI, whatever the uh, procedure may be, just please advocate for yourself. Um, Think about your outcome. Don't worry about what the doctor thinks. Think about yourself because at the end of the day, the doctor still gets paid. And you're the one that's that's really suffering here. So if you have a question, ask it. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And and just don't be afraid to stand up for what you want and need. Because at the end of the day, you're doing this because you want that baby. So true. Absolutely agree. Thank you so much, Jade, for chatting with me today. Thank you, Simone, for having me. It was a pleasure. listening to another episode of IVF Tales. Would you like to share your tale? Click on the SurveyMonkey link below and I'll get in touch with you.